Shackles on my feet, yeah, they won't let me be Won't you set me free, pray this on me Shackles on my feet, oh, they won't let me be Won't you set me free, pray this on me Pray this all on me What's up, you guys? Welcome to the Spiritually Fit Podcast. I am your host, Liz Davis, Jesus lover, mom, wife, and founder and CEO of His Temple Fitness Co. Thank you all so much for tuning in. As always, I'm incredibly excited to be here with you today, and I feel so blessed to be alongside you on your journey to becoming your best spiritually and physically fit self. Let's dive right into today. So first off, before we get started, I just wanted to say thank you to each and every one of you listening to today's episode. If you listen to our soft launch episodes, the three and a half episodes from the fall of 2022, I want to thank you for all of the positive feedback, all of the constructive critiques. Um, I took those to heart. I've been working behind the scenes, getting ready to do a full year of podcasts for 2023, starting with the comparison podcast today. So I wanted to thank you for such a successful soft launch. And here we go. We're running full speed ahead, eyes on the kingdom, eyes on the prize. And I look forward to chatting with you guys each week um, as the podcast continues. So thank you again for such a successful launch in the fall. And here we go. So without further ado, let's dive right into it today. Today, we are going to be talking about this long awaited topic of comparison, the way we compare ourselves to others, and even ourselves from a past or a different season of our lives. Um, And also we're going to talk about the detrimental effects that comparison has on our psyches, our emotions, our motivation for things in general, for life, and even the way it affects our relationship with the Lord. Now, if you are a human, you have compared yourself in one way or another, okay? We all have. And what I've realized throughout the last um, five, maybe 10 years or so is that the fastest way to trap yourself into the sin of envy is to compare yourself. And you may be be sitting here like, huh, Liz, what? Uh, I'm just saying I wish I looked like so-and-so. I wish I acted like this. I wish I was had just this amount of money and then things would be good. It's whatever you're thinking. But what is unbeknownst to most people, most of us, I mean, myself included, is that we are actually acknowledging and counting the blessings of others when, in fact, we should be praising God, thanking God for all of the things He's already blessed us with and what we already have, right? Because we tend to not forget our blessings, but in a day-to-day basis, we uh, most people don't focus on what they have, but on the have-nots, what we don't have or what we need in addition to the things we already have when, in fact, um, we are letting God know that we're, we're discontent, we are not content, which is like a subcategory, let's call it that, <laughs> of ungratefulness. 
So let's get into the ways we compare ourselves. So put up a finger wherever you're at. Maybe you just want to tap your finger. (laughs) Um, If you've ever compared yourself as a woman, as a mother, as an employee, guys, if you've ever compared yourself as a father, a husband, a friend, a provider, and stay-at-home moms, this can mean you too. Maybe you feel like you didn't get uh, get get enough done around the house that day, or like you don't contribute financially. Whatever the case is, you may be comparing yourself in some way as a contributor and provider to your household. Financial comparison, if you've ever compared yourself financially to someone else or even a way you used to live. And then historically, if you've compared yourself to you know, you in a different season of life, or you compared your childhood to your children's or whatever the case. Comparison, like I said, can also be when we compare ourselves. This is, this is kind of funny. I actually have a couple examples of this, but when we compare ourselves to a former version or of ourself or a self we feel we were better as, Um, And if there wasn't a purpose, let me just say this, if there wasn't a purpose in the change that occurred so that you're in the circumstance you are in now and you're the person you are now, um, if there wasn't a purpose in that journey, God would not have allowed you to, to veer off the path, to hit that fork in the road and go a different direction and onto a new path. Every single thing you've done and every single thing you experience Everything you've been through has been for a reason and for God's greater purpose. God intended that path for you to be able to lead you, to guide you, to bless you, to teach you. Whatever the case is, there's some purpose for you to become or to have become the you you are today. And more importantly, it's like if you're listening to this podcast, I can guarantee you um, you're probably closer to God than in circumstances or instances in the past. What's funny is looking back now, you may feel, or you probably feel that you were better as X, Y, Z. If you're someone who compares yourself to a different version of yourself, you're like, Oh, I remember that. Like those were the good old days. You may think you were better with X, Y, Z or doing X, Y, Z. But if you really think about it, like dig in, I do this, and try and remember how you felt in the day-to-day of that season, most of us can remember griping about something or other, thinking, I can't wait until dot, 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 or I'm changing this, I can't wait until this happens, I can't wait until my kid is older, out of diapers, or they're more self-sufficient, or I can't wait until I can be a stay-at-home mom, or until I can go back to work, whatever the case is, right? You remember griping about that, griping about something (laughs) at a time where you now look back, the grass is always greener, right? And think, oh, I wish things were like that again. Grass is always greener. So I'm going to share uh, with you guys a personal example for me with regards to competing in bodybuilding. I started out in bodybuilding for the sole purpose of completing a bucket list item, okay? I had wanted to compete since I think it was like the late 90s, Monica Brandt, and she was competing in fitness, and then figure came out because I thought fitness would be cool being a gymnast at the time, and then 
I thought, well, if I don't have to damage my joints anymore, this figure thing looks pretty cool. <laughs> um, and I just loved the look. Uh, they were so appeared so lean. I'm like, how do they get like that? And you know, it was a bucket list item. Anyway, then when I was pregnant with Colton, my oldest, someone I'm gonna say they challenged me. They didn't really. They weren't actually saying, okay, challenge. I'm gonna challenge you this list, but. Um, the woman said to me, enjoy those pants. She was joking. It was lighthearted. She's a mom. Enjoy those pants. Now you'll never wear that same size again. And I thought, what? I'm going to get, I'm going to get back in shape. And she's like, yeah, but your hips expand. And even though, even if you lose the weight, your hips will never, so you'll never fit in the same kind of pants again. And I was like, "Mm, okay, bet. (laughs) Let me just do this here thing. Like, let me hold my coffee, hold my beer. (laughs) Back then it was definitely hold my beer when I wasn't pregnant. Um, So I told myself within a year of having my son, I was going to compete. I was going to compete in figure. And actually the coach I hired at the time, his girls competed the day I was in the hospital still with Colton. I'm like, okay, I'm doing that next year. I'm doing that same, same show next year. And fast forward, I competed when he was 10 for the first time when he was about 10 and a half months and proceeded to compete the rest of 2013, did a couple more shows, 2014, 2015. But while I was bodybuilding, I wanted nothing more than to become a pro because when you're a pro athlete, you earn your pro card by placing at certain shows and then you could compete against other pros and you win money. So it's, it's like working out as your actual career, not just helping others work out um, like the fitness and like working in the fitness and, and wellness industry. So again, I competed from October of 13, first like early October of 13 to the end of 2015. Did multiple competitions per year, which was not only physically and mentally exhausting, but it was also financially exhausting. So much goes on behind the scenes that are incredibly costly. Um, anyway, I stepped on stage for the final time. I was three or four weeks pregnant with Delia, and I didn't know. I placed second. I was bloated. I was exhausted. And I was just like, oh, how did I come into this show when I worked so hard the last six weeks from my last show? How did I come in just just shy of winning that pro card? Because first place won the pro card. And I was discouraged. But a few days later, I got home and I remember teaching one of my classes at the gym and I was laying face down doing back extension stuff on a mat and I was like, my stomach just feels weird, like that hurts to lay on my stomach, like bloating kind of thing. Um, and I took a pregnancy test a couple days later and it came back immediately glaringly positive. <laughs> and so to this day, I have it in the back of my head, like maybe if I hadn't gotten pregnant, I would have earned my pro card. I can't tell you how many people I've told this story to. So if you're hearing it again, I apologize. But I look back to the that version of Liz, that season of my life, and I'm like, oh, if I would have just not been pregnant for a few more weeks, maybe I would have gone pro. But now, nowadays, as my relationship with God has deepened to the closest it's been in my entire life, I stop myself whenever I get to that point of really feeling like, what if, what if? Because that wasn't a part of God's amazing, incredible, and perfect plan. There is no plan 
better. Your plan is not better. Your spouse's plan is not better for you. And nobody's plan is better than God's. And unfortunately, we will, I say unfortunately, it's, I think it's really cool that to live knowing that there is a plan for us and we don't know it. But unfortunately, not unfortunately, we'll never see it this side of heaven. But if I were meant to continue competing and to go pro at that time, back in 2015, then I wouldn't have gotten pregnant with Leah. You know, like God blessed me with that gift when he did. And, you know, if we didn't have multiple kids, we wouldn't have moved closer to family. So we had that time with my father-in-law before he passed. Um, Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but maybe I would have gone through all that anxiety and the panic attacks and the weight gain and a third pregnancy and, and, and all the things that God allowed me to go through for a specific reason, all for his greater purpose, all for the greater good of helping others. And now being here in this season, I'm able to reflect back and use the experiences he allowed me to go through and be able to relate to other men and women alike, right? And share what worked and um, how God delivered me through those things. It's a testimony. He allowed me to experience all these things so that I can be a testimony to his goodness. So all of the anxieties, the panic attacks, the excessive alcohol use, the weight gain um, after having the third baby, and then going straight into a pandemic, the working outside the home at the hospital, you know, exhausted on your feet all day, and then trying to work out after. All those things helped me to be more relatable. Um, God provided me with the tools to overcome all of those obstacles, and now I can bless somebody forward. God has uh, put me in somebody else's life out there to share the tools right? So I know that that is definitely, well, I don't know 100% because that's God, but (laughs) I like to think that all of the joyous moments that have happened along with the overcoming obstacles and struggles are part of the greater vision and plan that God has for my life. You know, and perhaps maybe it was because he could see that I was starting to become a little bit too obsessed with food and body image and working out like I had when I was a younger competitive athlete and that I was, you know, making my body food, working out and idle. Like it was constantly on my brain. And he wanted to show me that he is the only one, God wants to show me he is the only one that deserves that level of attention, of obsession even. Above all, I know that he wanted me to lean into him for strength and wisdom and discernment and encouragement when making major life decisions or going through anything major in life, whether it was to continue competing, have another kid, whatever the case. God, that's all God desires for us. His desire is to have a father and daughter or father and son relationship with us, that he's the one we go to, he's the one we think about first. He's the one we want to go and and talk to when we seek advice. He wants to be first, and he wants to be most. He wants to be first with the good, the bad, and the ugly, the exciting, the stressful, the anxiety-producing, 
the joyous, all of that. All of these answers or, or my guesses as to why things happen, all of these twists and turns along the road, these forks, again, I'll never figure out, out this side of heaven. But again, one thing I do know with 99% certainty is that, again, he wanted me to put him first. Him and him alone, not my training, not my family even, not my goals or even my health. Him. Let me refer to 1 Timothy 4.8, where it says, for some physical training, some physical training is of value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. You know, it was for me to work on storing up treasures in heaven, not focused on the flesh, focused on these earthly things. I really felt that that was, that was the purpose. Now, I want to talk a little bit. <laughs> Let's get into comparison with social media. Because we talked about how I used to compare myself to my former life or that season of my life where I was competing in bodybuilding and kind of making my body an idol and food and working out an idol and an obsession. And so that was comparing myself to a prior season. Now I want to talk about an area I know a lot of people struggle with, which is social media. And I can hear the collective groans. Like I groaned in my head when I was, when I felt God place in my heart to talk about social media. But I know we've all been convicted of this at one time or another, Um, or maybe it's a frequent conviction for you because there have been points in my life where I've been frequently convicted about looking at social media, videos, pictures, whatever, people I know, people I don't know, and wanting for more, wanting for different from the way I look, the things I have, the cars, the house, the, um, the life circumstance, you know, it, it, it gets every one of us at some point. Social media has been such a toxic form of comparison that if we aren't careful, it will not only chip away at our self-esteem, but also, guys, our mental, emotional, and spiritual health altogether. If we are constantly absorbed in our phones, in our social channels, in our apps, think about this from our kids' perspective too, right? They've grown up with this. They don't know any different like us 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s babies even. These kids that were born in the you know early 2000s, mid-2000s that grew up with Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, this is all they know. So we as parents, as adults, young adults even who may not have kids, it's our responsibility to provide them with godly examples and biblical usage of social media. Okay, so I just wanted to put that out there first. Now, how many of you listening, when you put up a post, especially if it's a picture of yourself, get a huge boost in your gut, a a huge boost in your self-esteem when the likes, the comments, the compliments come flooding in, or when you post something that gets shared a lot of times, or it goes viral even, maybe it's something you've created, uh, a video or, you know, a project you've been working on and maybe you're a business owner or influencer who depends on uh, social media for your work or your business. It's very easy to blend our self-worth and sense of success with 
the amount of likes, compliments, comments, and shares we get. It's also very easy to <laughs> to um, relate our self-worth and our self-esteem to our follower count, right? You see accounts that have huge followings and you, you know, 10K or higher, I would say. And once you hit that 10K mark, there's something about it where you're like, oh, let me go look at this page. Why do they have so many? They've got a big following. Or um, I'd say the next milestone is probably like 100K. I don't know. I don't have a big following. (laughs) But I'm just, when I see accounts like that, I'm like, oh, like, what's this person all about? You know, so it's very easy to um, gauge our, our sense of success, Instead of it coming from what and who God says we are, and we gauge it based on our follower count, right? A lot of a lot of people. Maybe maybe you don't. And kudos to you. That is amazing. I know many people who do. So if this applies to you, keep listening. We also face the trap of comparison when it comes to images or videos you see, maybe those people uh, with your ideal figure and body type, people with perfect skin, the most fun inner circle. You know, you see videos of people going out or, or watch people's stories or their tweets of what they're doing and the most successful entrepreneurs even. These, when you see these things and you start to think about and compare it to where you are in life, what you did tonight versus what that person did. And you're like, wow, I just sat on my couch with some Doritos and and watched a movie with my kids or my husband or by myself. When you start to second guess where you're at in your life or the things you have or don't have in your life, those are enemy lies behind enemy lies. (laughs) Those are lies of the enemy, you guys. He's just found the most modern way to attack you, or one of the most modern ways. He's figured out how to convince you of something other than the truth, which is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. How do I know that's the truth? Because that comes directly from the word, and the word is the truth. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are loved beyond measure by a father that simply wants to have a relationship with you. So sis, bro, when you start comparing yourself to what you see online on social media, say away from me, Satan, like Jesus said in in the desert, right? Away from me, Satan. And you might think, oh, it's silly. It's just an app. Well, no, no. Behind every good or shouldn't say good, uh, intended for good thing, the enemy is going to come and try and twist it and, and work it to his advantage. Our God wants you to cast all of your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And this is what he desires. He cares for you. He doesn't want you to be anxious about what you have or what you don't have or where you are in your life. He wants you to lean into him. Give your cares, give your worries, give your phone Okay, give your phone. (laughs) Say, I'm giving this up to you, God. Like, I don't need any of this social media mess. (laughs) Genesis 1 verse 31 says, God saw all that he made and it was very good. Not good. Not okay. It was very good. Y'all, that means you. If you're listening, 
He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about every person, every human that he made, every plant he made, every animal he made. And he's proud of how he made you. Remember one of my first podcasts on the soft launch? I said, God doesn't make trash. He makes it very good. So say it again. He's the miracle maker. The miracle maker. Process that. I read this uh, statistic this week, actually, that according to scientists, the odds of you being born are about one in 400 trillion, not million, not thousand, not billion, 400 trillion, one in 400 trillion or more. A miracle, by definition, means that something is so unlikely that it is pretty much impossible to happen. So by that definition, you are a miracle. You, my listener, are a miracle. So embrace that. Shoot, write it, <laughs> write it down. Get a journal. Write it down in your, in your calendar, in your planner, or somewhere you're going to see it. Nobody has to see it other than you. Write it down every single day if you have to. I have a prayer planner. I have a prayer journal. Um, from the Prayerful Planner brand, not sponsored. And I just got a journal and it says um, affirmations. So every day there's a section for affirmations. So you say, if this is something that you struggle with, comparison, you can write, I am a miracle. I am a one in 400 trillion chance. I am made perfect in his image. I embrace every part of myself that he knit together in my mother's womb. My wounds and scars do not define me. God does. That's what you're going to write down whenever you start to feel a certain type of way. Or if you want, if you really want to, if this is something that you truly want to work on, I would suggest writing it down every single day. Affirm who you are, who you are in Christ. Now, it's normal, I want to touch on this for a minute, it's normal for us to experience times where we just don't feel as good about ourselves as other times. I mean, there's life circumstances, there's hormones if you're a woman, there's, you know, gosh, I don't know how to explain it. There are just times where we don't feel as good. I mean, there's ebbs and flows of life, and literally the Bible says, in this world, you will have trials and you'll have many. That is... It's normal to not have every day be an amazing, fabulous, joyous day. It is in these times, though, that we need to dig in. We need to dig. I'm like scuffing around like my dogs. We need to dig in, lean into God, break out the Bibles, journal, read the truth, read the word, because that is the truth about what God says about you. Because if you're already feeling bad and then you start to compare yourself to someone who in your eyes and in your opinion looks better, is accomplishing more than you, or has more going on, has a big house, whatever, then you're going to spiral. So you need to stay in your lane. You need to mentally focus. You need to write down an attitude of gratitude every single day. So in addition to affirming the miracle that God made you as, I'm going to need you to write down three things you're grateful for every single day. And here's why. I read this statistic too. 
from a psychological perspective, anxiety can take no root in your brain. There's no room for anxiety to exist when you're expressing gratitude. So every time you write down something or some things that you're grateful for, anxiety doesn't have room to get in because your brain has shifted, is now focused on the things that you do have, the great things that you have been blessed with, that God has blessed you with. Okay? You don't want to spiral getting on social media or looking at somebody at work that has, quote-unquote, something more or something better or is in a better situation in your eyes and again in your opinion than you have because this is what the enemy wants he wants you to spiral he wants you to get down and and depressed and anxious and he wants you to envy your neighbor your coworker, the random person you see on social media that is just simply a highlight reel that they chose to put up and i'm guilty of it i try my hardest to put up and post times when I'm just not feeling it mentally. And that is to be able to show people that that's exactly what social media is. It's a highlight reel. And in real life, we have bad moments. <laughs> in, in real life, we get under the covers and we just cry to God. Okay? The enemy wants you to feel worse about your life because then you've turned away that, you've turned your thoughts away from God's blessings. And if he thinks he can get a foothold, he's going to try and get a foothold. Okay. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, God says, he looks at what's in a person's heart, not what's on the outside. It's your heart, not how you look, may seem like something that we say in our, in our fleshly, you know, earthly bodies, but it's actually it's biblical wisdom. This body is going to deteriorate. Your body is going to deteriorate. Okay? There's no debating that. Your looks will fade. How you look now is not how you're going to look in 20 years. But it is what you're sowing in your heart, which determines how and, and if you get to heaven. Right? So don't worry. Don't compare. Don't fixate on the external or the current circumstance because current circumstance could be could end tomorrow could end in 30 years whatever you're going through if you don't have a lot of money that could change tomorrow put in the work and by putting the work that also includes praying and asking God because what you ask in his name you will receive that's biblical okay Again, this outward shell will eventually fade away, but our souls will live on for eternity in heaven. So we need to store up those treasures in heaven. Okay, so with all that said, it's time to do some brainstorming, daydreaming, maybe even some journaling, whatever you want to do, however you want to go about this. I want you to think about this. If you had a better relationship with yourself, I'm really getting excited now because, <laughs> because I love journaling and I love, um, I love when I when people bring this stuff out of me. So I want to pay it forward with the work I've done um, on myself. So if you had a better relationship with yourself, if you loved yourself the way God loved you, which you can't even fathom. Think about, let me pause. Think about how much you love your kids. God, God loves us infinitely more than that, like indescribably more. So if you loved yourself like that, picture, picture that it were possible or you can even be close to that. 
envision that. And now I want you to also think about how that would look like in your daily life. How would that affect the way you walked around? Would you hold your head up a little higher? Would you wake up with a little bit more joy and not just crack open your eyes like, oh, it's time to get up? How do you think that would affect your relationship with other people, your coworkers, your spouse, your kids? Pause the podcast for a sec if you can, if you have time and you have a pen. Or refer back to this at a later time because I think this is really, I know this is really, really important and writing this down is going to help your brain process it and solidify it. So pause the podcast and write this down. If I loved myself the way God loved me, not the way I think the world sees me, I would be a dot, dot, dot and journal from there. So I'm going to give you some examples. If I loved myself the way God loved me, not the way I think the world sees me, I bet I would be, or I would be a more patient mother because I didn't just beat myself up trying to get my jeans on. Then I got on social media a few minutes later and saw an Instagram influencer three sizes smaller than me. And now I'm in a whole mood and I'm pissy and taking it out of my kids. I'd be a more patient mother. I'd be a more attentive and loving wife because I'd be only focusing on my husband's wants and needs from me and not what I think he's looking at and looking for in other women. I'd have more of a servant's heart because I'm not focused on, on and obsessing on changing the external me to look more like everybody else or to exist <laughs> like everybody else or to have somebody else's job, right? I'd be a better, I don't know, entrepreneur, right? Because I'm not comparing myself to other entrepreneurs or other people in ministry out there and seeing where I'm at now and where they are after having been in and been working for years towards this. And I'm, again, I'm just hitting the ground running. I'd be a better entrepreneur because I'd have the confidence to say, hmm, that doesn't matter. I'm just starting out and this is what I got to do to get it done. And here I go. I wouldn't be dwelling and I wouldn't be taking up so much time thinking about where I need to be. I'd just be focusing on where I'm going. So write that down for me, write down how your life would look different. If you loved yourself the way God loved you, if you treated yourself the way God wants to treat you, Now let me pivot here for just a second and say it's totally okay with thinking someone is beautiful, someone's talented, admiring someone. Admiration is one thing. It's actually part of loving others the way God wants us to. Admiring someone for what they've accomplished can potentially help us to become more motivated in our own lives, in our own careers, or motivate us to fix some shortcomings we might have when it comes to parenting. I don't know. I'm just thinking of examples in my own life. But when it comes to admiration causing us or resulting in us wanting for the things that the other person has and feel ourselves like longing for it makes, makes us feel some type of way or makes us feel bad or like anxious or down and depressed or just like blah about what God's already blessed us with, then, then we know that's, that's 
not just admiration that's sparking some envy, some jealousy in us. And that's not where we want to go with things, but it's totally okay. And it's great for you to admire or give compliments to others. Again, that's part of loving your neighbor as yourself, loving your neighbor the way God loves them. The Bible makes it very clear that both jealousy and coveting what our neighbor has are sins. And let me take a moment right now to just pause and ask God. Let's just pause and ask God, because I do this too. I am getting better, but we're never going to be perfect this side of heaven, right? So let's just take a moment and ask God for forgiveness for the little things we may have felt jealous of this week in the ways we compared ourselves to others. Um, Ask for forgiveness if we've coveted something a friend has or a neighbor has or something you see happening in their life. Like, oh, I wish my kids would behave like that. I wish my husband would do that for me. When we compare ourselves to others and we wish for or envy what they have, we're basically saying, again, like we stated earlier, we don't like the way God created us. And again, God doesn't make mistakes, you guys, whether it's your looks, whether it's your gender, your race, your size, your identity. When we're unhappy with the things God has blessed us with, that is, that's where it gets, that's where it gets dirty, guys. That's where it gets sinful. And we just have to repent and ask forgiveness. That's what God wants us to do. He's not shaming us. He's not blaming us. It's how we're made. It's our flesh. It's the enemy attacking our spiritual, mental, and emotional health. And guys, when we are unhappy with the things that God's already blessed us with, that prevents us from seeing any of the blessings that God wants to bless us with in the future because we're stuck on what we aren't and what we don't have. Now, on the flip side, comparison to those at work, at school, on social media also has the potential to make us feel prideful. It makes us feel good. It feeds our fleshly egos. If, If somebody happens to post or you see somebody at work that may be having a bad day or like, I don't know, they're going through a divorce and you're like, well, at least I'm not going through that. Or, wow, I have it pretty good in comparison. It feeds our fleshly egos. You know what I mean? Pridefulness is not godly. You can be proud without being prideful. You can be humble. You are not more motivated or more successful than anyone else. You are what you are because of God, because of His blessings, because of his strength, because of his wisdom, because of his knowledge, because of his path for you, for his peace, for his purpose for your life. Your identity should be in him and him alone. And because of that identity, guys, everything you have and everything you've achieved is because of him. So let's try to remember that. I have to check myself. I have to humble myself. Whenever I start to get all, "Mm, I did that. Mm, Can you hear me air snapping? Trust me, every single day, I have to check myself on that. I'm proud of myself when I accomplish things, but then I have to be like, no. Before being proud, I have to be praising. Before being proud, I have to be praising. I have to be thanking. Thank you, God. I praise you, God, because I did that through you, with you, because of you. Every outcome 
is because of what you've done in me and through me. Every accomplishment is because of what you've accomplished in me, through me, the resources you've, you've blessed me with. God wants you to see yourself and see others the way he sees you. This is honestly one of the biggest areas that I've noticed, not necessarily since giving my life to the Lord, because that was back in 2009, but since truly developing a relationship with him, from being in a relationship with him the past three years, from digging into his word daily the last three years, from keeping my inner support circle small and first turning to him from learning to love myself as he created me and stop comparing myself to other humans, to other people, and my life to other people's lives. I had to stop that because it was getting to, it would get to a point where I was never happy. I was never content. I noticed when I changed that, I noticed the way I love, now I love people, not just my family, but friends, coworkers, and I view people that comes and it comes from a genuine, a sincere and loving place. When I see those in need, I have such a nudge, a tug to help, regardless of the way it may affect me, may negatively affect me. But from not comparing or competing with others, I've been able to move from a place of how can this serve me to how can I best serve this person. Loving and accepting yourself and how God created you will help you move your relationships with other people, guys, to a whole nother level. And what's even more amazing is they'll begin to see the spirit, the love of Christ in you and through you. When they see you, they'll see God. They'll see Christ. You will be witnessing to all those around you when you stop comparing yourself. When you have the joy and the contentment of being the person that God created you to be. Not only are you going to feel better about yourself, but you are actually furthering the kingdom, which is so freaking cool. So I want to leave you with some top tips for crushing comparison and creating better self-esteem. Numero uno, pray always, continually. Pray. Thank God first. You start with thanks, with gratitude. Thank God for all that he has done for you, all that he has given you, and all that he's created you to be. Ask him to continue to help you be grateful for his infinite blessings and help you avoid comparison to others because he's created you unlike any other person on this planet. One in 400 trillion. Another one is put time limits on all of your social media apps, on your phone even. If you're a business owner who uses social media for marketing, and customer communication, set aside certain times of day where you're available to hop on, to post, to respond to DMs and comments, but avoid scrolling at all costs. It'll suck you in. It'll nick away at your mental, emotional, and spiritual health. It'll cost you so much time. It'll cost you so much angst when you start comparing. This can cause you to fall into that comparison trap really quick when all you do is scroll. Unfollow any and all accounts that you originally followed to help inspire you if you're on a weight loss or fitness and wellness journey. Okay, if it only makes you feel bad, stop looking at it. Even if it's an inspirational account. 
constant intake of personal development, books, social media accounts, um, fitness inspiration accounts can oftentimes make people feel like they're not doing enough. So nix that right now. Okay. Sometimes, sometimes you need to rest. Rest is a beautiful gift from God. So you don't need to always be motivated and, and inspired. Okay. You're doing the best you can with what you got in your current circumstance and season. Another one is to congratulate others often. Whenever you see someone win, even if it's something you had hoped for yourself, congratulate them. Next tip is to work on yourself. Duh. No brainer, right? But set goals for yourself, write them down. And when you make the time to set small, realistic, and timely goals, checking them off as you go, you will start to feel successful on a daily basis and feel better about yourself. Whether they're physical goals, spiritual goals, or a combination of both, we can always work towards something. Every time you start to compare yourself to someone online or at work, at school, whatever it is, you're going to write down something for me. Not just think of them. You're going to take out your phone notes, if that's all you got on you, and read them over. You're going to write down one, three things about the way that God made you and the way God sees you that you love. Three things you're going to write down. And restate that. Three things about yourself and the way God made you and the way God sees you that you love. Two, you're going to write down three things you are grateful for that God has blessed you with. It can be regards to today or in life in general. And the last thing you're going to write down, the one I actually want you to do first, so rework this, guys, because it's the most important. You're going to find, either in your Bible or your Bible app, these scriptures and save them in a journal or... Um, save them in your phone notes, uh, screenshot, look them up and screenshot them online or in a Bible app and save them to a separate folder that you can refer back to these and read them when you start to compare yourself, okay? So I want you to go to the truth first. The word is the truth. I want you to go to the Bible first because the Bible tells us what God says about us. It's the only truth you have to believe. If it doesn't come from the word, you don't got to believe it. Okay, so these are the scriptures. And I'll give you time to write each one down. And then I'll briefly read it. Galatians 1, 10. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Screenshot it. Save it. Write it down. For I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of of Christ. So you got to think to yourself, you got to ask yourself, who are you or who are we seeking validation from and why? Ask yourself why you're seeking external validation from peers. Ask yourself why you're comparing yourself to somebody else who is another one in 400 trillion. Completely different. If our identity, if our identity is truly rooted in Christ and who he created us to be. We are filled with all the truth we need. When we seek external validation and approval from man, we are oftentimes left hearing only the lies of the enemy. So again, Galatians 1 verse 10. Next scripture I want you to save. James chapter 1 verse 17. James 1 17 says, Every good gift 
And every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Everything good and perfect comes from above. Any negative thoughts, any feeling less than or should be, none of that comes from God, but the ultimate deceiver, the king of lies. Psalms 139 verse 14. Psalms 139 14. One of my favorites. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Wonderful are your works. That's you. You are his work. You're his handiwork. Again, this is one of my favorite Bible verses. I use this one to emphasize and drive home points in my last podcast. Whenever we feel that urge to kick ourselves for something we didn't do, something we aren't, some some way we don't act, we need to write this verse down a hundred times as if we were in detention. Next verse is Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 8. Romans 12, verses 4 through 8. It reads, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one in the, or the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This verse reminds us that as members of one body, we all have different unique functions, jobs, talents, etc. Our arm is not meant to walk like our leg and vice versa. Our stomach is not meant to keep our blood pumping to our vessels like our heart is. Similarly, each uniquely designed child of God has their own talents. So with that, let me close in prayer. Father, I just thank you for this listener. I thank you for the way you've created them unique and individual, a one in 400 trillion miracle created in your likeness and image. I pray for us all that you give us the strength and wisdom and knowledge to battle the crushing comparison trap that we often feel on a daily basis. Father, help us to know when it is you wanting us to improve ourselves or when it's our own fleshly desires and the lies of the enemy trying to convince us that we're not worthy, we are not enough, we should look differently and accomplish more. We are perfect in your eyes. Lord, I ask you to guide our hearts and our minds, help us to always love ourselves and love one another deeply. And I pray that every listener truly knows just how much you love them. Lord, I thank you for all that you've given us. I thank you for all that you've blessed us with. And it is in your son's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you guys all so much for tuning in. And I can't wait to catch you next week. Have a blessed week.